behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton. Step back. Good! Patty at three. Oh, he's a flamethrower! What a shot! 6-3. It's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater! They'll review it! But oh mercy! Colin Sexton may have saved the season! Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford. Threw it away! He'll run it down in the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Watford three at the buzzer blocked by Herb. The putback, no! The buzzer sounds! And Bama hangs on! Oh my goodness! Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. And I'm your host, as always, Jordan Harper, head basketball analyst for Tide Illustrated of the Rivals Network. You can find me on, on the X at HarperNation24. I'm always posting Alabama basketball. If you're into Jacksonville Jaguars, Dallas Mavericks, those are kind of my teams. But majority of the time, I'll cover Alabama basketball, especially during end season. And we're getting into conference play since I last talked to you guys. Alabama has started out 2-0 in conference. And it's while the opponents haven't been too difficult, still starting out 2-0 in conference sets a big tone going into conference play. A lot better than going 0-2. So I'll kind of dive into each of these games, um, touch on maybe a little bit of recruiting news at the end, and look ahead to the next three to four games for Alabama, especially in conference. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely cover this Saturday's game against Mississippi State and look ahead to next week's early week matchup um, against Missouri at home. But before I kind of dive into that, I kind of just want to touch on the overall feel of this team is starting to change. You know, when we were watching them against – Arizona, Creighton, and Purdue, we really didn't know what to think. We, we knew that they were capable. Okay, We knew that they were capable to do um, good things overall. But we didn't know how they would react, how they would come off um, those three brutal games and how they'll kind of carry themselves. I mean, you, you knew they had Arkansas State and Liberty after that, so you figured that they would win both of those games fairly handily. But going into conference play, you're going to go like two weeks because it was a week off after the last game um, against Arizona. Then you played Arkansas State, and then you went a week off and then played Liberty. And then you come back in a week off and you play Vanderbilt. So it's really been three weeks since they've played against you know quality competition. So you really didn't know what to expect. Um, and I'll just kind of go ahead and dive into um, – Alabama's game against Vanderbilt um, this past week or weekend on Saturday afternoon. And Alabama barely squeaked out against Vanderbilt, 78-75. to 75. It was probably probably their sloppiest game. Um, it might not be the most – I really didn't dive in to see if it's been the most turnovers that Alabama's had in the game this season. But they had 16 overall, and – it was such a weird game to where the first 10 minutes of the game, they were up, I believe, 30 to 12. And it looked like Alabama was just going to blow them out of the gym like last year when they put up 
I believe it was like 110 or 112 on them in Coleman Coliseum and beat them by over 50. But give credit to Vanderbilt. They have a they have a spunky bunch that's starting to kind of come together and get healthy. They have great guards and Ezra Magnon and Tyron Lawrence, and they really gave Alabama fits. Uh, Rivera Torres had a great game as well, um, scoring 20 points. But in the end, they don't ask you um, they don't ask you how they just ask you if. And Alabama did win this game on the back of Mark Sears, who did score 21 points and. Really, it was a collective effort starting out. Mark Sears hit a few uh, big shots. Rylan Griffin got in a groove. Latrell Reitzel was hitting threes. Sam Walters was hitting threes. And everybody was getting involved early. And then after that 10-minute mark in the first half, Vanderbilt really flipped the script. I don't know if they did anything different defensively. I, I really didn't dive into the tape that much. It was kind of one of those to where um, – they squeaked it out. You really didn't want to rewatch it because you knew it was ugly. But I don't think they did anything totally different um, just by remembering watching it in real time. Alabama just boneheaded plays. They get in their way. They're you know they get in their way so much. They ranked um, 235th in the country in turn like turnover differential, which means. Basically, Alabama, they're, they're at a one turnover differential, which basically means that Alabama's turning it over the same amount of times as they're forcing turnovers. Which, if they're not turning it over that much, that's great, but they're not turning the ball over on the defensive end either. So it's kind of push or pull. The higher the number, um, the higher the number, the better, because you're going to be getting more turnovers on the defensive side rather than the offensive. But Alabama's is right even with each other, which ranks in the bottom third of the country, which has been a problem for Alabama. And when Alabama's at their best two of the past three years, they've always been able to turn the ball over on the defensive side. And they really didn't turn the ball over a whole lot on the offensive end. They were able to take care of the ball and take the ball away. That In any sport, um, especially basketball and uh, football in that matter, the more you turn over the other team, the better. And the least amount of times you turn it over, the better. In this case, Alabama's not doing either very well. Um, they're, they rank close to 200 in forced turnovers and around 150 in turnovers um, committed. So that, that problem has reared its ugly head again in Vanderbilt. Um, in Nashville. So it, it nearly cost them the first SEC game to where they were 14-point favorites going into it. So obviously they didn't cover the spread, but they did get come out with a win. Mark Sears had 21 points. Rylan Griffin had 16. Uh, I mentioned Latrell Wrightsel earlier. He had a few threes early on, but went really quiet after that. And Muhammad Wagee only played seven minutes this game, and I'm not sure why. And it may be because he got injured and nobody knew really, but he only played seven minutes and Nick Pringle ended up playing 16. Stevenson played 15. Um, so their minutes were kind of bumped up a little bit, but Muhammad Wagee ended up sitting out and is week to week um, with a foot injury now. So that might explain why he only played seven minutes because they really needed his defensive presence inside as well as his rebounding. 
um, this game. But really, it was just Alabama's inability to defend the backcourt. And Tyron Lawrence, Ezra Mignon, and Jason Rivera-Torres really got what they wanted whenever they wanted. Nobody scored over six points on their team outside of those three. And two of them scored. Lawrence and Rivera-Torres scored 20 points, along with Mignon scoring 16. So it was nobody but those three. You knew who was getting the ball. You knew who was going to score for them. And Alabama still couldn't stop it. And I think that's a testament to really what's also hurt Alabama in the past. Um, this year has been uh, perimeter defense, really not covering the drive very well, especially on the high pick and roll. Um, they've started switching here the past um, few few games and I think Nate Oates um, has taken over the defensive play calling or kind of the defensive scheming um, recently. And he's gone to more of a switching style on the high pick and rolls, which I really like. I feel like Alabama has the personnel to really cover that and um, really defend it really well with, with their personnel on the switches. Uh, the drop coverage just wasn't working, giving way too many easy shots, getting easy, easy baskets. They don't have the rim protector to where they're going to be fearful of them driving in because Woogie and Pringle just foul way too much, and that was putting them in a, a really difficult spot. But Alabama did escape with the win, 78-75, to 75, to go to 1-0 in conference. Um, just kind of taking a little, little look at the um, – the stats here to kind of show you where, where everything kind of fell. Alabama hit 12, three, 12 three-pointers out of 30 for a good 40%, which is right around their, their game average. They hit 49% of their shots. And obviously the turnovers were the difference. It was plus, plus seven um, for Vanderbilt. So they turned it over seven times less than Alabama did. And that's really – Really the difference um, to what kept them in this game was Alabama just turning it over. I don't think it was necessarily anything that Vanderbilt did specifically, but I just think it was Alabama kind of vomited on themselves um, at times throughout the game. But kind of moving on to the game that just ended um, a few hours ago, Alabama destroyed previously 13-1 South Carolina, 74-47 to um, in Coleman Coliseum, it was it was kind of I, I wouldn't say it was a hangover game because it really wasn't a big game on Saturday. But what happened on Saturday translated over to today. Just turnovers after turnover after turnover early on. I believe they had seven turnovers in the first half or at least the first ten to ten to twelve minutes. And somehow Alabama ended up leading 30 to 29 at halftime. Um, thanks to Mark Sears, who I believe had 18 points in the first half and really kept Alabama in it. If it wasn't for him, Alabama would have been potentially dead in the water in the first half because he was the only uh, bright spot for, for the Tide. As South Carolina's defense, I feel like is for real looking at them. Um, they got great length. They got good athleticism. And Coach Parrish has really got them playing hard. Uh, Michi Johnson is a solid guard, not efficient scoring-wise. He does shoot the ball a ton, takes some bad shots. But off the bounce, I don't think there's a guard 
too many guards quicker in the SEC than him um, off, you know, first step off the dribble. But Alabama just locked South Carolina down defensively um, in the first half, and especially in the second half. South Carolina only scored 18 points in the second half. You do not hear of that in college basketball, especially Power Five college basketball. And it's a testament to what Alabama is trying to do defensively and trying to trying to create offense off their defense as well as just playing with consistent defensive effort. And that's what Nate Oates has been kind of preaching in his press conferences, trying to talk to his guys through the media, saying that, you know, we're there. We lead for 33 minutes of the game in the past in the last seven minutes. They just have so many defensive lapses. They're, you know, they let their guard down, whatever. The motivation's not there. You have to play for a full 40 minutes in this league to get get wins. And while Alabama's offense wasn't very impressive in the first half, their defense certainly was. I thought that South Carolina was having to take tough shot after tough shot, and they were making a good bit of them in the first half. That kept kind of kept them in it. But those tough shots weren't falling in the second half, and Alabama was just smothering. They were after every loose ball. Um, one guy I think that kind of sparked that was Muhammad Diabate that I'll kind of cover in a second. He really sparked them, and I believe he checked in around the 15-minute mark in the second half. And Alabama was getting killed on the offensive rebounds, and Muhammad Diabate stepped in, got six rebounds in nine minutes, including three offensive rebounds. And really gave him, I hate to use the word again, but really gave him a spark and gave him or gave Alabama, you know, the confidence they needed. He finished with three points, six rebounds. Um, he got an assist, a steal, and a block, all in nine minutes. I don't see the plus minus on this box score, but I imagine it's, it's really good. But touching on Mark Sears for a second, 10 of 13 from the field, Six of eight from three, five of five from the from the free throw line. Had three steals as well. Finished with 31 points, which isn't even his season high when he had 38 against Purdue. But 31 points in this game where Alabama needed majority of those points. Because, like I mentioned, in the first half, he was carrying them along, pretty much dragging them along with him because nobody else was, you know, picking up their feet. Aaron Estrada ended up having a really good game, finished with 17 points, seven rebounds, had two steals of their own. Alabama had 10 steals overall, so the great effort there, had four blocks. Did turn it over a total of 15 times, but really, really cleaned that up in the second half. Hence, Alabama scoring in by 26. Good for Alabama. Not only because it moves them to an other conference, um, it's a pretty quality win. South Carolina is around 65 in Ken Palm. Um, so they'll, they'll probably hang around there majority of the time. I, me personally, if you're, if you're asking me for my opinion, I don't think South Carolina is going to be much of a factor in the SEC. They'll probably be around the 8 to 9 rank um, finishing off. So – they could end up being pretty good. Um, you know, they'll have to be carried by their defense and Michi Johnson. But overall, it's a quality win. And any win in conference is a quality one. But this margin of victory really boosted Alabama. They moved up to seven in Kim Palm. Obviously, they have the number one offense still. 
moved up all the way up to 52 at one point and adjusted defense, which is the highest of the season that they've had. Uh, I believe they're 60 now after several games finished, but it's trending up for them on that, that side of the ball or on that side of the court. If they can get their defensive efficiency to stay in the top 50 in the country, this team is going to – this team has potential to make it to the second weekend. As infuriating as this team might make Alabama fans um, some games, there's no doubting the potential of this team. Offensively, it's there. Offensively, I checked, and if they keep on their, their kind of current pace they're on, there's not there's not a team that has this adjust kind of adjusted efficiency score um, in the past 25 to 30 years. No team. This is a historically great offense in terms of efficiency um, that we may have may have seen in a long time in college basketball. It's just the defensive side that's kind of keeping them from reaching that potential. There's plenty of season left. There's still 16 games in conference plus conference tournament and an NCAA tournament, plenty of time to kind of get these these kinks worked out on defense. And it's already starting already starting to, to pay off. So Alabama wins 74-47. Um, kind of hop into um, some of the stats here. I mean, they're all very pro-Alabama, obviously. Shot 48%, 15 threes out of 34, so 44% continued. To shoot great from the three-point line, um, seven only shot nine free throws. It was, was a pretty clean game overall. How many fouls were there? Twenty-five total. Yeah, so there was a really clean game um, overall. There was only eighteen free throws total taken by both teams combined, and really everything is pretty even um, overall. It's just Alabama shooting. Uh, South Carolina only shot five of 25 from three. Took a lot of bad three-point shots, but did miss several open ones. Um, and you, you only shoot 30% from the field overall. You're not going to win too many games. So, huge win for Alabama as they moved to 2-0 in conference before Alabama travels to Starkville, Mississippi on Saturday night where they play Mississippi State at 7.30 on SEC Network. And Mississippi State is a very interesting team as well, similar to South Carolina, to where, you know, they played a really soft schedule, same as South Carolina, and uh, Mississippi State doesn't have any quality wins. Um, They did beat Rutgers. Rutgers, I think, is okay. They did lose to Southern and Georgia Tech back-to-back middle of the season, Southern being at home um, and Georgia Tech, I believe, being on at a neutral site. But they haven't beaten anybody, and they're really unproven, and they just lost to this same South Carolina team that Alabama destroyed, lost by six at home. Now, that doesn't mean anything. It shows that you, know, you do have a common opponent that you can kind of gauge, but – you go into the hump, and on a Saturday night, the place would probably be pretty packed, I would imagine. And Alabama, they've had mixed results at the hump the past 15 to 20 years. So um, anytime you go on the road in the conference, it's really difficult. 
just ask Houston tonight. Um, number two team in the country fell at Iowa State. And then number one Purdue lost at Nebraska. So if the number one and number two team can can lose on the road in conference, obviously anybody can. So it's never going to be easy, but you feel good about your chances. Alabama or Mississippi State does play Tennessee tomorrow night um, at six o'clock at home, so they they're not going to have to travel or anything. But they do play the number five team, Tennessee. So we'll we'll kind of get to see what they're all about, um, especially against Tennessee. Because Mississippi State really struggles to score the basketball. And that's the same thing that really they struggled with last year. So Chris Jans doesn't seem to have fixed that problem. They do get have got Tolu Smith back the past few games, probably ramping up his minutes. I don't know what kind of minute restriction he's on right now. He's been playing roughly around 20 or a little less. Um, so he might be ramping up and might play a little bit more against Tennessee or Alabama. But um, Alabama does travel to Mississippi State. That'll be a very interesting – that's what I called a swing game for Alabama starting out conference because I felt like they would beat Vanderbilt and South Carolina the first two games. But going on the road against Mississippi State is where if they win, start 3-0 in conference, and then come home and play Missouri, they have a really good chance of being 4-0 in conference going into Knoxville for their fifth SEC game. And then they'll play at home against Auburn after that. So if you can give yourself a four-game cushion of you know being 4-0 going into those really tough two games before you kind of have a lull again um, mid, mid-conference slate, that could be huge. And losing to Mississippi State – would would hurt, but you know you can't you can't account for winning every road game or winning a road game in conference in general. So Alabama's got Mississippi State on the road, and then they go back home and play Missouri um, next week, and then they'll face Tennessee on the road and home against Auburn. So two really good games to start out the SEC slate. Um, I'm going to kind of touch on a little bit of recruiting news that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Rob Cassidy, which is a national recruiting um, head of recruiting at at Rivals for basketball, he came out and tweeted that Michael Brown Jr. or Mikhail, I'm not sure how he pronounces his name, but he is a five-star player in the 2025 class. He's a point guard, six foot three. Did grow a couple inches. Um, since last summer, which I think is where he really sprouted in terms of ranking. But he's with Overtime Elite um, out of Atlanta, and he's a 6'3 point guard. He's ranked 15th in the country, according to Rivals, in the 2025 class. He's actually probably going to reclassify in the spring. And Alabama is one of the four to five schools that's recruiting him the hardest. And Alabama has a really good chance here. If he reclassifies to 2024 in the spring like it's expected and Alabama can get him on campus before that and potentially land this guy to go along with Darion Reed and Aiden Sherrell, that's three. I mean, he could be a five star in, in the 2024 class. I think he'll probably be around 30 to 35 in the ranking, but 
Um, he's a super, super talented point guard that Alabama's going to need in case Mark Sears doesn't come back next year. Even if he does, it's, Mark Sears is going to be a great mentor for him, and he could play alongside him to where Mark Sears could play off ball sometimes to where he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time. So just a little bit of recruiting nugget there that some of you may have already seen, but um, Mikael Brown Jr. is a super talented point guard that Alabama is in for and has a really good chance, from what I'm told, uh, to potentially land him in the 2024 class. Well, that's all I have today. I appreciate everybody listening to another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Jordan Harper. You can catch me on the X um, slash Twitter at HarperNation24, or you can head over to Tide Illustrated, get a subscription, and follow my content on there for Alabama basketball. If you're big in Alabama football, there's obviously a ton of content on, on the website as well. Um, and, and on the message boards. So until next time, I appreciate every one of y'all to li- listen to this podcast. Um, I've really enjoyed it over the past three, uh, four years, actually. This is my fourth year. Um, I've really enjoyed doing this, and I appreciate everyone that listens, um, and I hope you continue to listen. But this has been another episode of the Double Dribble Podcast. Adios. <laughs>